They are one of the most famous father-son duos in recent history. They've run marathons together. They've run, cycled, and swum triathlons together. They even have trekked 3,700 miles across America together. The father's name is Dick. The son's name is Rick. Together, they form Team Hoyt. Without his dad, Rick could not compete. Without his son, Dick would not compete. When Rick was born, his proud new parents realized he would face challenges most of his peers would never face. A tragedy at birth stole away his opportunity to walk and talk. Rick was born with cerebral palsy. The Hoyts took their baby boy to Children's Hospital in Boston every week. Their doctor encouraged them to help Rick live as normal a life as possible. Dick and Judy Hoyt faced a difficult decision, but they chose to enroll Rick in public school. They furnished him with a wheelchair and computer that transcribed what Rick was thinking. Before long, they realized just how intelligent their son was. Before long, they also learned about just how compassionate he was. One of Rick's lacrosse team classmates had suffered a paralyzing injury. Rick empathized with him and asked his dad if they could run in a five-mile benefit race together. Dick had been retired from the Air National Guard. He was 36 years old. It had been a few years since he had run five miles at one time but he agreed. After their first race, Rick told his dad, Dad, when I'm running, it feels like I'm not handicapped. After that first race, Dick began running every day with a bag of cement in the wheelchair because Rick was at school. As of March of 2016, Team Hoyt had competed in 1,130 endurance events. A thousand endurance events, including 72 marathons and six Ironman triathlons. When they swam, Dad used a rope attached to his son's body to pull Rick sitting in the boat. When they cycled, Rick rode on the front of a specially designed tandem bike. When they ran, Dick pushed Rick in the wheelchair. Together, they were Team Hoyt, one of the most famous father-son duos in our time. Dick Hoyt sacrificed much of his life for his son to feel like he was not handicapped. It would have been unthinkably difficult if Dick had lost his son during that time as difficult as that would have been. Now think of another famous father-son duo. Think of Abraham and Isaac. Think how Abraham must have felt when God spoke to him to give Isaac back to him. And I'll tell you how that story ends right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry. I'm your host, and you're listening to the God's Word for Life Companion Podcast. Today's episode stems from a lesson dated January 16th, 2022, and it is entitled, God Wants Our All. If you happen to have your Bible or if you have the God's Word for Life student guide there with you, go ahead and turn with me to Genesis chapter 22, verses 13 to 14. If you're driving or otherwise unable to open up your Bible, perhaps you're at work, I will read it to you right out of the Word of God, Genesis chapter 22, verses 13 through 14. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. 
And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Isaac was a gift from God. Without God, there would be no Isaac. Abraham and Sarah were well into their retirement years and well past their childbearing and child-rearing years. But every day Abraham woke up to see his son Isaac farming the fields was a good day. It was a visible reminder that God keeps his word. Then God spoke to Abraham again. It had been a while since God had spoken, but whenever God spoke, it was usually good news. So what would God promise today? Abraham tuned his ears to hear God's voice, and God said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains I will tell thee of. This news was not good news. God has just called Abraham to sacrifice his son, for whom he had waited 25 years. How would Abraham respond? How would you respond? Many of us know God does not bless human sacrifice, so we can breathe easier knowing he will not ask us to sacrifice our own kiddos. But what if you spent your life savings to build a house, and when you finally get it built, after all those dollars and all those years, God asks you to sell it and give the money to missions? That may be as close as we come to sacrifice, like Abraham was faced with making. Genesis 22 verse 3 could have begun several ways. Abraham fought with God, Abraham questioned God, Abraham ignored God, or even Abraham walked away from God. Instead, it begins, So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. Abraham obeyed God. Abraham understood genuine faith is demonstrated by genuine obedience. When we have faith in God, we will obey what he commands. Has God ever spoken to you about making a substantial sacrifice when life was comfortable? If so, you'll get a twinge of what Abraham felt. Abraham didn't understand God's plan, but he did trust God. It didn't make sense to kill the promised son who should branch a family tree into the thousands, even into the millions. But God did not call Abraham to understand him. He called him to trust him. This passage is part of the nature of God we rarely understand. We struggle to understand when our God allows us to walk through tragedy, when the God who could do something about it seems to do nothing about it. Could God have stopped the accident, kept the company afloat, healed the disease, restored the family, or paid the bank. He could do all that by sunset. He could wave his hand and empty every hospital and turn every funeral home into a trampoline park. But just because he can doesn't always mean he will. We do not understand all of God's ways, but his ways are not for us to understand. They're for us to trust. He is God, he is good, and he is in control. It was one thing for Abraham to trust God, but what about Isaac? All he knew was he, dad, and a handful of servants were going on a road trip to worship God. When they arrived at the mountain, God spoke to Abraham like a GPS voice. You have reached your destination. Abraham turned to the servants, nodded, and said, You gents stay here. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we'll come back to you. 
They stayed while Abraham and Isaac marched toward the mountain. As this father-son duo climbed up the mountain, Isaac began taking inventory. Dad, I see we have wood, we have a knife, we have what we need for fire, but... Hey, Pops, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? Isaac looked around to see if anything was trailing behind, but not a hoofprint on the mountain. And Abraham replied with such faith, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. No one really knows if Abraham really knew what he was saying when he said, God will provide himself a lamb. When they reached the peak, Abraham unloaded the wood off Isaac's shoulder and built an altar to the Lord. Then he turned to Isaac and began to tie Isaac's hands. What was he doing? Why was he tying Isaac's hands? Isaac didn't do anything wrong. He didn't deserve this. Abraham was strong, but Isaac was stronger. He could have fought off and overpowered his centenarian dad. Isaac could have run down the mountain screaming for help to rescue him from his lunatic father, but he trusted his dad's ability to hear from God. Isaac obeyed Abraham even when Isaac did not hear what God spoke to Abraham. When you hear this story, how do you picture Isaac when you hear of him almost being sacrificed on that mountain? If it took great faith for Abraham to offer Isaac, think of how much faith it took for Isaac to be offered. This was Abraham's and Isaac's greatest test of faith. Thankfully, they passed that test. We don't like to have our faith tested. No one prays for sickness or car accidents or layoffs or divorce. No parents pray for their children to rebel and move out. In those times, we have very little control over the outcome. We don't know if we'll be healed, if we'll recover, if we'll find a new job, or we'll reconcile with our family. We don't know how the story will end, but God does. Those are the times we must trust God is in control, especially when we're not. Abraham did not have the benefit of the Bible to read his story as it was being written. He believed he was marching up that mountain to offer his son to God, but he equally believed he was marching down that mountain with his son with him. Although God had not raised anyone from the dead at that point, Abraham trusted God would. The writer of the book of Hebrews wrote that Abraham concluded, God was able to raise Isaac up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Hebrews 11, verse 19. Abraham trusted God when his faith was tested, and God proved himself to be faithful. Has there ever been a time when you felt life was out of control and you needed faith to believe God was in control? I'm sure Isaac did. I'm sure Abraham did. Isaac lay on the altar bound with ropes as his dad stood over him. Abraham lifted his eyes toward the heavens, and he lifted the knife above his head. This was no charade. Abraham was about to offer up his promised son to God just because God asked him to. Abraham's faith was unflappable. Just before he brought the knife down, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham, and Abraham replied, Here I am. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) The angel of the Lord gave good news to Abraham, great news to Isaac. He said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. We don't know if Isaac heard the voice of the angel, but thankfully Abraham did. Although Abraham did not know how God was going to work it out, he knew God would not ask him to do anything 
that would destroy God's promise. Isaac was undoubtedly the promised seed through which all of Abraham's descendants would be born. There was no way God would require Isaac's life for good and keep his word at the same time. So that's why we have faith. Faith is not believing God will always do what we want. Faith is believing God will always do what is right. God does not have to explain himself to us. We'd like him to, but he's God. We're not. This story shines a blinding light on the truth that God is trustworthy. We who sit on the the end side of this story rejoice when we read about the miracle, but Abraham's story was still being written when he courageously believed God and his faith pleased God. So will ours. So why is it so difficult sometimes for us to see God at work in our lives when we are in the middle of difficult times? Abraham and Isaac were about to watch a miracle in the making. Abraham's blood pressure lowered as he lowered the knife, and Isaac was still in one piece. Suddenly Abraham saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. They traveled several days from home and trekked up the mountain. But Abraham built an altar and brought everything he needed to offer a sacrifice to God in worship. Abraham was not leaving without offering something to God. He went over, took the ram, and offered it to the Lord as a burnt offering. As the fire from that sacrifice went up, Abraham saw God in a new, beautiful light. Abraham already knew God as El Shaddai, the Almighty God. <laughs> he gave a hundred-year-old a son. Now Abraham knew God as Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. God spoke once more to Abraham and continued to compound his promises to bless Abraham for his faith. Then, without fanfare, Abraham and Isaac walked back down the mountain, met up with their servants, and headed home. The servants had no idea what had happened on top of the mountain, but Abraham and Isaac both had a life-altering experience with God when they saw him in a beautiful, brand new way. In those times when God puts our faith in the crucible and presses, we see God in a beautiful, brand new way. If a car speeding toward you went left of center and you cried out the name of Jesus and God spared your life, you see Jesus as the Lord who protects. If there was nothing in the refrigerator but a couple of ketchup packets and a bottle of lemon juice, but someone rang the doorbell and left groceries on your doorstep, you see Jesus as the Lord who provides. If you have a terminal diagnosis in your medical record, but the doctor has cleared you from all terminal illness, you see Jesus as the Lord who heals. If you bury someone you love but have peace, that God is still there with you as you grieve, you see Jesus as the Lord who gives peace. But hear me, if you go through any of those times or all of those times, and Jesus does not do what you hoped and asked and prayed and pleaded he would do, I pray you see him as the God who is there and the God who still gives grace. None of us wants to go through those times. But when we do, we see God as the God who is present, as the God who gives grace, even in those difficult times. If you were addicted to drugs and alcohol and could not find a way, but Jesus set you free, you see God as the one who delivers. When we were lost without hope, but Jesus saved us from our sins, we see him as the Lord who saves. The more we give to God, the closer we get to God, the more we see him as he is. He is great. He is good. 
and he is our God. Aside from the name of Jesus, what is your favorite name for God? And while you think about that, let's wrap this up. Perhaps God has made you a promise. Perhaps at an altar you built, God promised to save someone in your family. Maybe you've not seen it happen yet, but just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it will not. Abraham can testify to that. He waited 25 years for his promised son to be born, but when the time was right, God kept his word and gave him Isaac. Perhaps God promised to use you in an area of ministry, but you've not seen that area of ministry open up yet. Just be faithful where you are. Keep serving God and others right where you are. Don't grow impatient and take matters into your own hands. If you could hear Abraham say anything, he would say amen right here. He grew impatient and sired a son with his wife's handmaid, and Ishmael and Isaac's descendants are still carrying on that sibling rivalry to this day. If we would take a walk through the gallery of faith, we would see a painting of this aged Abraham with a knife in his hand and relief on his face. And under the painting, we would see Paul's inspired caption, Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Abraham didn't know how God would keep his word, but he knew God would, and God did. So let's take some time right now to pray and ask God what he is asking of us. We want to hear from him to know how we can draw closer to him and how we, just like Abraham, can see him in a beautiful, brand new way. Lord, I thank you today. Jesus, I want to see you as you are. I want to see you in a beautiful, brand new way. You've already been so good to me. You've already provided and protected for me. You've already taken care of me. I'm so grateful for that. Help me today, Lord, to know what you're asking me to give, whether it's to you or to others, or to give to you by giving to others. Help me, Jesus, to know what you're calling me to give, to sacrifice. Help me to be willing to give whatever you ask of me. Help me to be willing to sacrifice whatever you call me to sacrifice, to bless your kingdom, to bless somebody in it. I do pray today, help all of us to have the faith to trust you, that you have made your promises and you will keep your promises. You will never suffer your faithfulness to fail. I pray this today. Give us the faith of Abraham and help us also, just as he did, to see you in a beautiful, brand new way. I pray all of this today in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much, God's Word for Life listeners. I hope this episode's been a blessing to you. Be sure to click subscribe so you'll never miss any time a God's Word for Life episode drops. And click share so you can share it with somebody who needs to hear it. Maybe this episode or another has really blessed you and you know it could bless somebody else. So go ahead and bless somebody else by sharing it with somebody else. If you're looking for some more great resources to help you walk closer with Jesus throughout this year, visit our website at PentecostalPublishing.com and you'll find scad, spades, pallets, yea, verily, of resources that'll help bless you as you walk closer with Jesus through this brand new year. Next week, I'm going to continue the story of Abraham. We're going to take a look at Abraham's grandsons, Jacob and Esau. We're going to take a look at the lesson entitled, Cherish God's Blessings, dated January 23rd, 2022. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you and always look forward to learning and living out God's word for life. 
Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.